This is the first B20 podcast. I'm Chris. Uh, I'm Corky. I'm Corey. I'm Cisco. We have only the C names here tonight. <laughs> oh, that is scary. Oh, I know. I was looking at that on the site. We're all C names. I'm it's like, like four C's. Scott. I have to change the it's name. It's like, no, we're not a charity organization. We no, don't have disposable income. Not, not the child care community. What? Every time I go up to someone's house, I got to tell them I'm not a Mormon. <laughs> we're, we're starting out strong already. Oh, this yeah. is for nobody's pleasure but our own. That's true. Wait, so well, I just went to the bathroom. <laughs> right there? <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to do Would you be embarrassed if I went to the bathroom? I'm going to pee in your car now. <laughs> so at this as point, now we've introduced car. ourselves. We've introduced now ourselves. Now should we do the official roll Let's for our the topic official for the first evening? Roll. All right, you're ready. So the topic for the evening. Topic for the evening. Our lovely die roller. The breakout twenty roll. That would be an eleven. An eleven. This one goes books. Oh, oh man! <laughs> Someone's gonna have to carry us on this one because I don't read. What do you mean you, you don't read? read? You got like five bookcases worth of books. Look at them. Read them. They got good pictures. <laughs> they got good pictures. <laughs> for gaming books. They're all the Joy of Sex volume. For starting from 1970. I don't own a Joy to Sex book, thank you very much. You get a boy in his grill. I own enough sex books. That's not actually one of them. <laughs> when I was a it's kid, like a cool knot tying book. My mom had the Joy of Sex. My mom had like great. She's not going to be able to listen to this now. My mom had uh, <laughs> erotica. Wait till we get to stories. I am the ones. <laughs> and the yeah, Joy of Sex cool and all that. that. My mom is is the coolest person I know. But um, I when I was a kid. And this might be why I'm stunted sexually. I read a lot of the erotica books that she had. We're not going to talk over each other on the damn podcast. <laughs> sure we are. The, the we talked and game. stunted in length? What are we talking about here? No, it's just... <laughs> I stunted it against your mom's crotch. <laughs> All right? Oh, wow. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to spew. <laughs> First spew to the podcast. Um, it's like water, people. <laughs> yeah. I thought it, it was, was out the ass. Hey, hey, you're the one that's looking Kirky for a plug. Oh, get, we're going to get ourselves thrown off the website. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Find new representation. So, yeah. So, like, I was... God, I don't remember how old I was. We were living with my grandmother at the time, so I was probably about 11 or 12. Oh, it just gets better as you're reading your mom's text. And I, I'm reading... House. Just, it's stuff that you're not supposed to read. You know, I didn't have, like, the dad around, so I couldn't get at the Playboys and stuff. But there were books on erotica, so there was, like, the... I don't remember exactly, like Venus books and things like that. Um, again, yeah, my doodle looks dandy. Um, Great Disney film. But it was like early experiences was one about. They were just all really bizarre stuff. Like the actual novel novels had so much incest and like little kid sex. And bizarre, but worse. Like total. Just could not have been written in the states. Would totally be illegal today. Everything was written by anonymous people, like, no one took credit for this. And there was one story um, that I, I want to say was called The Body, or something like that, which was basically about a guy um, having this dream woman that he followed around, and at one point, I guess, she drowns. And he goes and he pulls her out of, of the, the harbor. I don't like that. And another guy's there. Yeah, exactly. This is like... This the necrophilia story. story? Is that what you're saying? Some huh? kind of bone Some necrophilia story? Turned into a necrophilia story. He pulls her out of the water and he sends this other guy for help to go find people to like... Because she just drowned and stuff like that. And he looks at her and the water is like... 
fresh on her lips and her skin tone is a little off and he starts to like get this fantasy of her being a, a, a water nymph and then he starts having sex with her on the pier. Who so, so, you read? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> she's read the freaking beauty books. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not alone in my mental incapacity no, for the sex. The difference is, I read the Stephen Beauty series as an adult. Well, I had a high reading comprehension level when I was a kid. You were an adult when I met you. Okay, I... Yeah, he uh, made you. Uh, he made you an adult. <laughs> all right, officially. Fifteen That's is like adult-ish. That's like saying I gave an adult and had sex. I was twelve or something. I oh, so like, see, you're an you adult because God, I, had, I had Cinemax when I was eight. Come on. Oh, everybody froze on Cinemax. Fine. I'm not <laughs> talking about that. I'm talking... I had cable until I was a late teenager. We had so... cable when I was a kid. I remember watching MTV the first time I <laughs> We've still gone off topic already. But that's the point. Back to the topic, people. No, books. it doesn't have to be back to the topic. Yeah, I mean, we'll, it's, we'll it's, a, to it's a breaking point. But, but that was the thing. It's like, I read this as a kid, and these are like the first, not real sexual ideas that I, I had. Like I said, I had cable and stuff. But these were kind of the things that were in my head of, like, you know, the real kind of over-the-top adult sex. Like, everything that was on cable was still pretty tame. It was like you'd see boob here and there, or there'd be some sort of simulated sex. But this was the stuff that's, like, there was real reasoning behind it. This was... But without the the adult-type movie stuff, though, how did you put the the stories in a a visual context? Well, I mean, it wasn't... They're written very descriptively. I mean, and there were a lot of words and stuff that I didn't understand of... Like That's where why he gets those exact body start, parts were. That's why he gets excited when you start reading out of gaming things where there's veins and shafts. <laughs> that, that's what it is. It takes you back, isn't it? It takes you back. Get excited by the shafty veins. You giggle like an eleven-year-old, maybe. <laughs> we all giggle like an eleven-year-old. Man, I can break out the recordings of us at game, and everybody freezes at the exact same time. I don't have to be there. I don't have to be in the room. You all just stop. You hear shaft. You hear pulse. You hear anything. You're like, oh, you're, we just. Screw you guys! <laughs> I open up with here a real heartfelt I'll, story. No, here you, you know go. I'll so, share. You know what's unfortunate? Though? Was... We don't have Scott here. Scott oh. is the guy that has the twelve stacks of books that he hasn't read yet, and he keeps buying. I know. That's why. Where the, the hell is Scott at? I mean, that's great. Now right. you're an avid reader. I, am I mean, much more than the rest of us. Well, but I, I could launch. I into just the... read one author though. I could launch into the most recent Harry Potter, but I don't think anybody wants to. Yeah, but I don't want it spoiled because. Tons of I, books, at least from what I can tell, compared to most people. Well, I've been reading quite a few well, books lately. No, but the it, thing you I have to remember much. with me is that I just I consume books. I don't like she read a chapter here or there. Reads, I like sit that. down and read Harry Potter in six hours straight. I mean, I read on average two books a month. I mean, I figured. I mean, working forty hours a week and being a single parent of a six-year-old—that's pretty damn good. No, that. Way That's, more impressive yeah. than me, don't no doubt. <laughs> the fact that I knock out a book once every couple of months is kind of amazing. And the amount of time I spend on the internet, in front of the TiVos, the the video game systems, Erin um, when she insists that I pay attention to her, uh, I think it's... I like how just laughs on the list. <laughs> she really appreciates that. Is I'm that sure. paying attention to her awake or asleep? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I only get to read on my lunch break. So I will go out and I, I pick the same places to eat all the time, mostly because I know these places will sort of leave me alone. I don't have to think a lot when I go in there, so I just go in, 
grab my food or whatever, sit down and read. And yeah, every once in a while I'll get a book that, or I'll get to a point in a book where I'll get really into it and I'll come back home and I'll read. But usually when I'm at the house, I'm reading my comics um, or I'm reading the, the magazines, either the wizard magazines or PC magazines and stuff like that. The, the books I have to be in kind of the right frame of mind for and I have to kind of be left alone and I don't get a lot of alone time back at the house. So it's really lunch is the only time I can kind of fall into a, a book book and, and have the time to really enjoy it. And that's not a, a slam against my home life or anything, but like you were saying, home life is busy. you got a lot going on. At this point in time, there's not a lot of, of time for us to be able to go and just read a good book. Yeah, I think the most... My biggest point in my life where I read the most was when I lived in Hawaii for six months. Because I would take a book and I would a, either get a ride with a friend from work. worked or, in the book binding factory. Well, uh, yeah, but they didn't <laughs> bind anything I wanted to read, believe me. We did mostly pamphlets and crap like that. Were they pamphlets about how to have sex with a dead body that you no, find on the beach? No, they weren't. Okay, well then screw you. About Mormons? Yeah. <laughs> about Mormons. But I mean, I would take the bus to work or things like that, and so I had all that time to read before work started because, you know, you punch the clock in at a certain time, which is so boring to me now because I don't have a set work schedule. Which but. is, I don't know a lot about your job and the stuff that you do. I know about some of the, the minimal details and everything, but, like, yeah, your schedule is whacked out because I would have, there have been Fridays that I would probably come over earlier and I, I think to myself, oh yeah, Chris is usually home early on Fridays, but I didn't think, is that every Friday or is that just whenever you choose to come home early. I know there was a point in time where they were sending I'm, you on more vacation time now we're and stuff. More off topic. Um, I'm salaried, and as long as I put in 40 hours a week, it doesn't really matter when I put it in. That's cool. It's best that I put it in when I can be most productive. There? You, have the, you have the salary that actually is a, a good salary <laughs> to have, which is different than like retail salary that I've been, which is... I work 60 hours a week, and they just ass rate me. Um, they're putting it in whenever they want to put it yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I like left it, I think I left it three today. I don't actually know if I got 40 hours in this week or three, but my boss left two hours before I did, so. <laughs> my boss doesn't really care, so. But I mean, I also have the hellish weeks or months where I'm staying after, or I'm getting a billion phone calls. Yeah, you get that, phone calls all nights, the time. Or I get called in at 2 in the morning and have to go in. Yeah. I mean, the nights where I've gone in at, like, 3 in the morning and basically not come home and just stay and work 8 hours from then, you know, are the really painful ones. I may come home and shave and shower and go right back really quick, so when the rest of the people show up. But, you know, on the off shift, you know, people don't care. I can go in my PJs, but... You know, I'm so shift. sending you to work in your pajamas the next time they well, call you. They have to. They night. have to cover enough of me so that you know they have to be long pants. Well, yeah, I'm not days, sending you in your underwear, but well, I'm yeah. so sending you in the pirate jacket. So, anyways, when I was in Hawaii, <laughs> a lot of books. I think. I mean, granted, I read mostly D and D setting novels, but I'm guessing I read 20 to 30 books in six months. Oh yeah. Oh God, when I was. It, and it's weird because when I was in high school and I had nothing but time on my hands because it's not like I was paying attention in class. You know, you're I teaching would, other classes. Well, I, I taught math. But um, I, I would read a lot. It's weird, though, because what I found is I stayed in sort of the, the A section of, uh, of authors. Like, I started out reading 
a couple authors and their names started with A's, and that it would be like I go to Walden Books or whatever. Or B. Dalton, I think, was big uh, where I was in <laughs> Michigan. Wow, and no, um, I was big here too for a while. Yeah, but I would go there and I would start up at the A's and find a couple books I like and never really graduate down the alphabet line. I think I got as far as Barker with uh, Clive stuff when I got to Great and Secret Show. Shut up. And Well, yeah, but like it was always Pierce Anthony or Robert Asprin. So did you happen on a Robert Asprin by accident then? Yeah, I found Robert Asprin. I think I was looking for Pierce stuff because my mom was big on the Xanth books. Um, and I think it was before I started reading The Incarnations of Immortality, but I was, I was still in that sort of Xanth phase, and I found this uh, Another Fine Myth, which just seemed kind of goofy fun and uh i picked it up it was like four bucks or whatever at the time a little skinny paperback it was light reading and it felt a lot like uh the douglas adams kind of comedic thing too another a name which i've never read oh god his stuff is it was just so (coughs) good the the hitchhiker's quartet even the dirk gently stuff which took me a while to grow appreciation for it um was just excellent stuff but the the hitchhiker's Probably the funniest stuff that I can ever remember reading where I just laughed hysterically. Like, Anne has talked to me about my writing at that level uh, a couple of times where I've made her laugh to the point where other people were afraid of her on the bus. That kind of thing. And I, I felt that <laughs> way about Adam. normal, you're saying? Yeah, just... <laughs> but it was like... I don't know if it's just the fact that British humors have this dry humor that, especially at the time when I was younger, I was, I was told by a... a friend that I had a very dry wit um, which has seriously moistened um, <laughs> Wow, we're still talking about your wit, right? <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's changed. I, I don't think my wit is at that now? point anymore. Wit is that the code wit? word? <laughs> but aspirin. So next time I see Aaron, I hear you're calling it the wit. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He says it's getting really moist. Aaron is a female. <laughs> Just want you to know. Uh, <laughs> Not that I'm against the gay. <laughs> Made out with an Eagle Scout. Not gay. Um, <laughs> I one in the world. I just figured the set guy. out. The guy. You know him. <laughs> no, um, Aspirin was, was the first book that I think it was like, it was completely mine. Like, no one had recommended it. It was just sort of, I fell into it and I loved it. I, I read those books and I just, I think by the time that I started reading them, he probably had the first four out and then the fifth one came out um but i just blew through those and there when a new one would come out i was at summer school one year and i i remember going to one class um which i enjoyed which was probably my algebra class my pre-al uh before i take an algebra in regular school i decided to take it over the summer to screw around and there was i think a history or social studies class before that which i didn't really like at all um, so I skipped that class, waited to go to algebra, and I had a uh, one of the myth books, one of the newer myth books, probably the sixth or seventh one that I read. Oh, there's tons. Uh, I read it that day, waiting for my algebra class. Like just all in one sitting in some little corner room that nobody was using in the summer school. It was in uh, in Truman High. Straight out of Never Ending Story. Well, yeah, it was kind of like, I was just, and that's, that was the greatest day, though. (laughs) The adventures that I did in high school will have to wait for story time. Yeah, there's actually a car named after it. Shut up. Um, 
but but aspirin is also like when I started writing, that's probably the person who I I most emulated. Um, whereas with Pierce, it, Pierce was very Pierce felt very adult in the way his writing is. He felt very like a serious writer who wrote comedy just to kind of like get the story across and to attract readers to it. But it didn't feel like it was really where his heart was. And and I know that in his other writings and stuff, I haven't been as interested. Pierce gets really dirty at times, too, in some of his books, which is a little creepy the way that like, I pictured dirty? him. Sort of. A little bit. There's, there's some weird things that he did. Um, Adam's just purely hilarious, but kind of like Monty Python hilarious, where you can't ever see him doing anything and, and being taken seriously. He's just so brilliantly funny. But but Robert was a guy that really wrote people. You know, like people talking, people having conversations, and the kind of stuff that my head wraps around when it comes to writing is really dialogue. Kind of like <coughs> Kevin Smith, if you cut the dialogue out of his films, you probably have a five-minute movie. Um, a really crappy one at that. Yeah, but, but still, you... <laughs> When it comes down to hearing people talk, that guy has got it nailed. And that's that's probably why I gravitated to his films, not just because I look like him, but because I really like the way that his characters talk and interact with each other. And that's that's what Robert kind of wrote like, is that it was really about Skeev and Oz <clears throat> and uh, Tanana initially, and then the other characters he kind of brought in. Skeev being kind of like young in my age group, and that kind of like sort of confused the... Neither of you like, have read these books at all. How did I, I fall mean, into this kind of thing? And I've tried. I've tried to get I into it. I got one of the few books that we actually have in common, I think. And in fact, I I read them so long ago, I vaguely remember them. So, I mean, the names are familiar, and I know that there was a number of books. Yeah. But you have to remember, I, I mean, most of what I read, I learned to read really fast, and I just massively consumed whatever books I could get my hands on and, you know, we didn't have the money to go buy books when I was a kid. You know, when we moved out here from Colorado, we had $170 and a Montgomery Ward cart and two cars. <laughs> so, I mean, we we were not in good shape. And so it wasn't like run down to the bookstore. And, and what, were, what were the libraries like around here or where you were when um, you were growing up? Well, you know, since I lived so far out in West County... You know, it's like, okay, you could take the bus into town to go to the library in Santa Rosa, but the bus ran all the way to Occidental and back, and it was a four-hour round trip, and so the bus came through Forestville every four hours, two, every two hours, two hours going one direction out to Occidental, two hours coming back the other direction to get to Santa Rosa to go to the library, but the bus then left like 20 minutes later out of Santa Rosa to do the four-hour loop again. So it was like, okay, get to the library when? But, thankfully, for me, my mom was very, very thrifty when she went to thrift stores and things and garage sales. And so, but I very much adopted her style of reading because she was buying books. So they were Spencer novels and crime mysteries and Stephen King and I mean my fourth grade teacher almost called Child Protective Services when I brought in my first book report in fourth grade and it was on Stephen King's It. <laughs> nice. So the woman called my mom at work and was like do you up. understand <laughs> that your daughter wrote a like eight page book report on Stephen King's It and my mom was like yeah she's a little too young to read The Stand but you know. <laughs> 
I mean, so I pretty much completely missed like that sci-fi short novel reading. I mean, not to say that you should graduate through, but I jumped directly into, you know, 600 page novels. Well, in, yeah. In, you know, fourth and fifth Which grade. Which destroy me because I read so slow. But right. And I think that's part of the reason I learned, I read, I did learn to read fast because I did used to, you know, especially once my parents split up, my mom would sit at night and read while I was like doing my homework and stuff. And I would sit and sh on like the arm of the couch while she was sitting on the couch and try to read over her shoulder. And so she would be reading much faster than I was flipping pages and I would be catching, you know, three quarters of the page and flip. Oh, okay. And so, you know, piecing together in my head what I figure happened that last quarter of the page before we got to, you know, the next section. But, you know, I read the entire Tarzan series, the entire Nancy Drew series, the entire Hardy Boys series. That, that was where I read, you know, short novels. Wow. See, that, when I was a kid, it, it was like... God, what did I read? I, I remember reading, like, Encyclopedia Brown books and things like that. I remember the the book club stuff that we would get at my school every couple of weeks or something like that. They'd have this catalog or something of books that you could order from. Scholastic. Yeah, something Madison's like that. Madison's got one of those in the house right now. And I, I love that, and that's where I found just some really strange... There's one book that I've been looking for. I can't remember the exact title, but I remember it's something being about, like, the horrible teachers versus the glorious kids, and it's about these kids who decide to completely fight off their oppressive teachers, and it just becomes this violent war thing by the end of it. And I've been trying to place that book for so long, and I can't find it. I've looked it up I've at every book list. Someone's heard of Hopefully it somebody. But be that as it may, I remember reading when I was in uh, high school, I had a reading, creative writing class, and... Um, my best friend who lived across the street from me, Stephanie, she had Sweet Valley High books. And so I started reading a bunch of the Sweet Valley High books for that oh, class. that's true. I read the, the entire Babysitter's that's Club series. That's why you're so in touch with your feminine side. <laughs> I read the entire <laughs> Babysitter's Club series while I was grounded at my dad's house one weekend. Yeah. My stepsister had like all 70 or however, God, there were so many of those things. And I got grounded. <laughs> I rode the bus from El Molino out to Santa Rosa because I was staying with my dad for the weekend and got off the bus downtown, ran into some people I knew, ended up like going out, hanging out after school, getting something to eat, like dyeing somebody's hair, shaving somebody's head, something along that line. Just a normal day for a <laughs> Whatever. Normal day for me. Piercing somebody's eyebrow, you know, whatever. Hey, what's the and, weather like outside? Oh, it looked like it might rain. Want to shave your head? Sure. <laughs> hey, that's like, the sort of thing that went on when I was in high school. Want a when I shove this pin through your eyebrow? <laughs> hey, we all had lighters. This is just so It wrong. was all good. Dude, I can't tell you how many people's ears I went up piercing, and it was just like, it was just one tetanus shot away from being like the worst infection ever. I was like, oh, this is great. You want me to stick this needle in your face? Uh, yeah. But anyway, I ended up, I was, it was one of those things, like, the bus came through at three, got into town at four, and I was, like, supposed to be back to my dad's house by five, and I ended up having to walk 
from downtown, like under the mall, through you know the backwood country, over to my dad's house. That was when he was still living on, over on Corby. And I got there at like 5:20. I mean, not really that late. Like, should have been acceptably late for the fact that I was like 14 and walking through town by myself from the bus depot where no one would pick me up from. But apparently wasn't. And so I got, you know, you don't fit in with the family, you're just a freak, you're just like your mother, you know, why do you even come to our house, we don't even want to see you right now, you know, go in your room and we'll let you know what the punishment is later. And I was like, yay, separated from the herd, don't have to be around these people, woohoo! The family ran section on the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) between her and her... And me and my stepmonster Family issues. Oh, family man. issues. We, we, we call it the Knox of Brady Bunch. Yeah. Yes, the And then we can look Brady at Corky Bunch. and go, Shut up. Eat my ass, Beaver. Okay, here we go. Let's draw the little line. <laughs> normal family people? Not so normal well, family it's like, people. I went to work and got but fucked I could completely today. Corrupt and like, I, part I'm of his family if I got this. No, chance. there's no corrupting of his family. Corky, what books have you read in your life since you've been awfully quiet? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I've pretty much, I don't want to say isolated myself to one author. I mean, I got introduced to, I would say, one of my most cherished characters of all time. And sure, people could go ahead and say I'm a fanboy for it, but I don't believe it's true. Fanboy. You own no. the swords, so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. but we bought him the swords. He didn't do it himself. <laughs> That's that, true. That is true. We, we did and feed his fanboy. Very awesome. Um, and I, again, I thank you guys for that. Um, but I was introduced by one of my best friends, my you know, in my entire life, uh, who ironically, years after I moved out here, was living in Pinal, um, introduced me to uh, Crystal Shard by R.A. Salvador. Um, you don't need to sound really so official, but we're, we're well. I mean, there are people out there that might know the name of the book, but not yeah, I know. I just, it's not like you're advertising. We're going to look up the D20 and find our website. <laughs> Probably going to have an idea who just it. Um, or however you say the name. Plus, we're just doing this for you us. Say so, I mean, if people want to know more, they can send us an email. Um, I mean, so we were playing, you know, D and D right at the same time. We were doing uh, Curse of the Azure Bonds on my mom's old POS computer with the monochromatic screen. You know, Curse I mean, it was Bond. it was a world that I lived in. You know, I I had a small drafting table set up in my room and a folding <clears> chair, and I, I did. Really bad artwork at that point in time. They still have some of it, but who was the friend? Chris. Well, so, I was, so yeah, Chris, that helped you come up with most of your comics. Most, most of my you comic ideas before you and I met. Exactly. So. Now, with, that's the that's still Wolf Wolfgar and all that, right? That's yes. in the first series. That's the yeah, it's the very first series in which spawned everything else. Because I think I read that. Because they weren't even really supposed to be about him at that. point. No, it wasn't. No, because it was, about was Wolfgar and all yeah, that. yeah, it was all about story. Wolfgar and really <clears throat> Dritz. I mean, became this like cult classic, if you will. I mean, I mean, he's such a beautiful character. Uh, I mean, that is just the way you know he. You write. I mean, it's. I mean, you're really inside that that environment. Um, but I mean, other authors, you know, Lisa Smeedman, you know, uh, Margaret Weiss, uh, you know, I mean, some of these other authors that, I mean, anybody else who's into, you know, some of the other fantasy stuff, I mean, they're gonna find the same people fascinating. But 
I mean, other than that, I mean, I mean, I have read some Adams. Uh, you know, kind of grew up reading, you know, the the Zork books and uh, oh, yeah. Choose Your Own Adventure stuff. I definitely read about. <coughs> I had adventure. one of those Choose yeah. Your Own Adventure yeah. books, which I actually still have uh, back at my parents' house in Michigan. Uh, all those books. That's like the um, one thing I remember getting from the Scholastic Book Club. They actually thing. tried to reintroduce those type yeah. of books. I don't know, five years ago? Yeah, it didn't Ten years ago, well. and they didn't take off. I don't understand why they don't have the Zork games and those Infocon games available to download on your phone. Yeah. Because they can't be very big files, and I thought, you know, that's a great time waster right there. Yeah, I should tell you one time about the <coughs> Farmer's Daughter game that I had that was like the... <laughs> wow. I, okay. My mom bought me Leather Goddesses of Phobos, which to me was ultimate because it had a scratch and sniff thing with it. Wow. Oh, yes, so wrong. That's right. <laughs> My okay. poor Madre is getting such bad yeah. press right now. We love um, your Madre. So I like I like the Dritz books. I think I got through the the first three, which was the Wolfgar and all that section. There was a halfling in that series, wasn't there? Yes, yes. Regis. Um, then I got through the yeah, the next happens. three, and I think he actually there was a gap between those series, right? He wrote the first three, right. then he, he wrote, wrote the, the prequels three, of, wrote the prequels. Uh, of Dritz. Um, after that, uh, that's where it kind of forks, where you start getting getting into, you know, one series, and then that splits into two other ones. Um, yeah, like the his, current his series, new book is, not, not even current, but I mean the book one that I was reading next month. He has the series about um, the assassin, Jarlaxle, and, 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 and yeah, and Artemis, <laughs> and they they're in the middle of the the big volume, the big five books of that series is the first book. Of, of that this series. other series, the, the, the right? And I'm like, dude, what the? Yeah, what? it totally screwed me up when I was hunting for that book, and I was like, wait a minute, I already owned that book. I read it three years ago. But I can say, as as writers, as people who stack together stories, we know what it's like to sit there and you know have a character that you throw into a storyline, and then suddenly go, wow, that character suddenly could he really ends run up his in own something thing. else. Um, now you started out with the the Dritz stuff, though, and you you were playing D and D at that point in time, or it kind of like <clears> went hand in hand. Well, we were playing D and D at that point in time, and then uh, I, I don't know if Chris went on vacation or something. I can't remember exactly how he ended up with the books, but he he had the first book, and it was almost immediately after he got done with it. He's like, "Dude, you got to read this book. It's awesome." And at that point, the only thing that I really read consistently were my comics. So, I mean, I'm looking at this like 365 page book, and I'm going, "There's no way I'm going to read this. I'm going to go nuts." And I read it in, in two days, which I just found phenomenal. And, I mean, I, I'm on a constant search for more of his stuff. I mean, I've even gone as far as picking up stuff outside of the Forgotten Realms to kind of get a taste as to what else he does. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to read it because I'm actually in the middle of reading a, the a biography on uh, Nirvana. Um, which is actually really interesting. It's rather wordy, um, but it's cool kind of going through and reading all like the footnotes and everything as you kind of finish each chapter. Who wrote it? Um, I can't remember. It's actually one of the guys that, that used to hang out with him all the time. He's he's done biographies so it's for not other a, things. A Courtney influenced. No, this. I mean, I think the thing that I'm having a hard time with already is the fact that. In the in the introduction in the book, um, he's talking about you know how he's he's writing it you know because you know he he knew the band inside and out and and everything which I have no doubt, 
Um, <clears throat> but after reading Love and Death and, and the whole conspiracy theory behind Kurt's suicide slash murder, whatever you want to call it, there, there's just too many things going on in there that it, not one person can answer, not ten people can answer. There's only two people, three people that could answer it. It'd be Kurt, the person that was there, and God. You know, and nobody's talking. So, you know, there's three sides of every story. Yours, mine, and the truth. And, you know, somebody's covering for somebody in there. Are you quoting but, extreme albums? No, I'm not. I'm actually qu quoting my old boss, Ron Morelli. Um, it's funny because... Oh, it's like a shout-out. I have a... Shadow? <laughs> the Shadow! Great, we're going that route. I have a Courtney Love <laughs> I ordered another movie too. Uh, book by uh, Poppy Z. Bright, which I bought strictly because it was by Poppy, Poppy but it was a book about Courtney Love, and I don't think she even knew her at the time that she kind of got pulled into to writing it, and it doesn't seem like anything else she's ever written. God, I don't even remember too much about it at this point, but it's, that was out years ago, and it seemed right. really odd to me that there would be this autobiography about Courtney in the midst of all this stuff going on about Kurt, but yeah. Courtney seemed to really just be like, I don't know if she's just got the best PR people or what. I don't know how she became who she did by off of the fact that here's her famous husband and she's sort of a nobody. Um, she gets married to, has a kid with, he kills himself. Two days later, her big debut album, not really debut, because she had stuff before that, but like the album that really hit it for her comes out, and it's called Live Through This, and nothing is suspect. And then she becomes like everything in the media. She becomes this little media baby, um, which I just never quite got, but I can't say that in front of Aaron, because Aaron loves Hole. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. Um, no, but, you know the thing that just killed me on the, the whole Courtney Love thing, and I have to say, you know, so the mom me coming out. But I read something when she was doing the whole auction thing and selling Kurt's stuff off and everything. And I read somewhere someone actually worked up the uh, balls to ask her, you know, well, what about? Francis. Francis, you know, what, what of her father's legacy are you keeping for her? And Courtney's response was like, all she needs is the original song lyrics and a couple of flannel shirts, and that's how she can remember her dad. And I was just like, oh my god! How, as a mother of a child who never met their father, can you just be like, oh, it's okay, song lyrics and a shirt, that'll get her through. The fact that, you know, her dad, like, blew his head off yeah, you wanted her enough. to save some of the gray matter for her? Or just no, there, I'm just saying, There's enough media you know, about him before and after that I, it's not like she wouldn't have access to Here, Francis, open up the store. It's the entire room where he blew his head off. We haven't cleaned it or anything. You can have that. You're just, no, <laughs> I'm just saying, I would think as as a mother myself that, you know, um, a little more there would be more concrete, you know... I can see it, but I can also see it going to the other extreme of, like, Elvis and Graceland and, like, how much Graceland having this stuff fun. around. It might be fun, but how, how weird is that Graceland. having this whole, not just a shrine to your dad, but an entire just, oh my god, what is that place? It's a money-making like, tourist trap. Lisa Marie growing up and having that and just never being able to 
to know her dad as a as a person and never being able to know her dad as just a human being, but always idol. having her dad be this idolized god type thing to all these people that never having any normal life. I think I think on the one hand I, think I think agree with you. There's a balance between those two things. <laughs> oh, there, there definitely should be, and but I just we're talking me, about people who live in extremes to begin with. Right, but to me, looking at it, I look at it and say, how much could Courtney have possibly loved him if she's willing to sell off everything of her daughter's legacy of her father to make a few bucks? And the statement that she releases to everyone is, song lyrics and a shirt, that's what she's getting. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but to not... Me, if not try I to was let his and, legacy live on through his know, music or anything, make it difficult for of, the other guys know, from Nirvana. This is my soulmate, and, and you know we were made to be together, and I was devastated by his death and all of that. I Sorry, I didn't mean to open up that can there. <laughs> concrete. That'll learn you to then. talk about books. Okay, well, back okay, to books. Back so, to well, books. Yeah, I mean, well, are we done with books? Because I don't know. I mean, well, no. I mean, so honestly, there was something that I wanted to ask, which was based off of what you were saying yeah. about how you got into prison stuff. Is, what what got you? Was it you were playing D and D and you started reading the books, or was it you were reading the books and you started playing D and D? Probably D and D first. D and D first. Books. It's it's funny because and that that's the way it was for me. I I kind of I barely touched on D and D when I got introduced to the the books and stuff. It was Monty's uncle Shane was running this game and it was very Shane. Yeah, shut Good up. Night. Um, it was not a greatly run game. It's not like the rules really made any sense or even that they were trying to do anything. Um, I came in as a first level character with a couple other guys that were playing like ninth to twelfth level characters. Ooh, trying to hang died out. in about an hour? Seriously. But they, they created my character with me. Like, didn't really give me the chance That's to funny. make up my own thing. They just kind of said, oh, here's the kind of character you're playing. <laughs> and it turned out funny. it was a, a Kender. Oh, and God. Something you don't need in your hands. Right, but that's, wow. that's where I first started <laughs> out talking about the character, Kender right? character. Yeah. And um, how he got it. <laughs> my first role-playing step was, like, Heroes Unlimited, um, the superhero game, which would kind of turn into a and d style campaign. But it was still that system. And so going over to D&D was kind of weird to me. And this is, I think, AD&D had been out for a little while at this wow. point. It was way pre third or 3.5 or anything. Wow. But but that's what kind of like the Kender thing was okay, I'm interested about this and I picked up the uh, the Weiss Hickman, Hickman um, books at the library. The Canton Library which was the first library I ever went to that was actually a good library. Now that was probably when they still had the police station library in one building. I think so. But yeah, that was... That was great. And those books are kind of what brought me into wanting to play D&D more. But it's funny to me because, you know, the idea behind Dungeons & Dragons and all the people who played the game throughout the years, I mean, a lot of them came into it from reading Tolkien and reading all these these other fantasy books and stories that they grew up with and everything, and then that's what got them to create D&D. And then here we are, we're a generation of, of people who start playing D&D, and that causes us to read the D&D literature as our fantasy outlet, which is really funny how that cycle kind of happened, is that I'm much more likely to go into a bookstore and pick up a, a Dungeons & Dragons sanctioned novel than I am a classic fantasy novel um, that's been out for years, that's a huge piece of literature. And I read The Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, yeah. but I barely remember it. I read it when I was really young. And I'm sure I couldn't fathom a lot of what was happening. I just thought, oh, cool, you know. But, like, 
D and D really formed my ideas of uh, fantasy and fiction. Like a lot of the stuff that we used to try to do with the comic book had a lot of D and D. We used to try. We got twenty four hour comic day coming up. Yeah, we're coming up now. But I mean, just that that kind of storytelling stuff really kind of led into. It's amazing how much of an influence the Dungeons Dragons can have. Well, I mean, on fantasy uh, as a whole. Other things too is that I mean, I mean, you introduced me to Neil. You know, yeah. and and that was huge. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, he did Stardust, Mirror Mask, things like that. But my most favorite novel by him was American Gods. That book was so well written that I mean, if, if I wanted to pick up any book out of my entire collection, I would probably pick that book up first before I pick up anything else because it was such a smooth and very interesting read. Uh, it, it was it was like detective work, I and mean, you had to piece things together. I mean, it wasn't like things unfolded before you. It was it was it was a surprise. Yeah, it really did. I mean, it, it came out it and came together really well, and that that's a sign of an amazing writer. But what what I found about Neil, and I think Anne and I talked about this at one point, is that Neil's writing comes across very simplistic. It when you're reading it, it's so smooth. It feels like it's written. By someone who doesn't have like, not a literary major like Neil Gaiman has read probably every book ever written. It just that's the way he comes across, and that's the way when he talks about literature, he talks about it like a scholar. The guy is brilliant, but when he writes something, unless he's writing something in a particular way, like he's writing to emulate Bradbury, or he's writing something in Cthulhu-esque mentality, if he just writes a story, Cthulhu-esque mentality, because he writes stories that are in the Cthulhu mythos. Um, but otherwise, he will put together a story, and it'll just be very simple, laid-back language, like, and it's just very smooth and very easy. But then you just, you kind of like twinge at it a little bit and go, why do I feel so blown away by this sweet, simple tale about an old lady talking to a knight about the fact that she has a holy grail on her, on her mantelpiece? Because it, it's an old lady who's got the holy grail on her mantelpiece, and that's the part that can really stupefy you with how. It's, it's like, oh god, I just can't even describe it. And that's the thing is you can't describe Neil's stuff. And I tried to get Erin to read it, and she's torn up by trying to read um, weird accents or um, with names that she doesn't recognize and stuff like that. And she even gets a little bit of funny, but she just kind of like, I can't really get into it. And I can understand that because honestly, American Gods was hard for me to start up into because I was used to Neil's <clears throat> other stories first. That's the way I feel with Anne Rice. I'm so wrapped up in the Anne Rice universe that when I talk to people about, you know, the Witching Hour, the whole witching series, the whole vampire series, and I'm like, yeah, and Pandora and Mark and Armand, you know, don't even start me on the Antonio Banderas as Armand thing because we could do <laughs> yeah, a whole podcast yeah. just on that. The, the but, movies were never done correctly to begin with. No, so. and. Let's not you know, there. let's just start with Julianne Sands should be Lestat. Let's just get it out there, go there, done. Tom the, Cruise, oh my god, For no. me, though, and I, and I always tell you this, no, I read the first two because they were vampire books, and at that point in time I was obviously playing Vampire the Masquerade. Right. See, I started reading them so much earlier 
It was like, but I was totally in. She is just way too wordy for me. Oh, she's for extremely Oh, yeah, that was the thing and to me, is that I can't read five pages about New Orleans in the middle of something needs to happen here now. It's like, oh, I'm not in love with this city. I'm never, ever going to see this city. I don't care about it like you do. I understand that That's you really care. unfortunate that you've never seen New Orleans. But, you know, and uh, it's not anything against New Orleans, cause, but it's just, I can tell... That all the things that she talked about of it being is nothing that I'm interested in. And it didn't feel like the stuff she was talking about it's even not cultivating. passionate. You know, it was, it was descriptive. It was very pretty wording, but it didn't, I didn't feel any passion from, from the stories. And maybe that was me. That very well could have been. But I, I made it through, I think I made it through interview and I read most of it when I was on a train going back and forth to uh, Toronto. And I started on... Before or after the park bench? Uh, that was after. Um, <laughs> That's for another podcast. And I, I, Continue. I read part of it, part of interview, not interview, of uh, Vampire Lestat a uh, couple years later. I had met you at this point. Um, but it just, I couldn't really get pulled into it. And the reason that I started reading them at all was because when I was 16... I was working on my Douglas Adams-esque series of books that I had decided to write when I came out to California the very first time. I left California planning on writing this series of books, which was about a college-age accidental vampire in a rock and roll band. And someone said to me, oh, you mean like Lestat? I'm like, what the fuck's a Lestat? And that's what got it started. But my stuff was very... My stuff was very comedic, very lighthearted, very um, aspirinous, but it was in a story uh, position that was like Douglas Adams. It was like this big sort of encompassing story of like all these different characters get different angles of the story and stuff like that, and then everything kind of comes together at the end. So it was about this guy who was in college who couldn't do very well with girls, couldn't really get his life together in any real direction. Um, and his best friend. No, he didn't have the. A, uh, but he wasn't angry. Yeah. No, but there was there was anger in it. His best friend was a, a midget wrestler. It's too bad Anne left. And um, I remember that his uh, at the suggestion of my friend Mary, who I met here in California, his drummer. When I finally eventually get the band together, his drummer was an albino devil worshipper. Josh. Wow. Um, <laughs> But that was the thing. There was like um, his girlfriend was the daughter of a priest. The priest was very kind of like the nutty professor. It it, it is. I was sixteen-year-old trying to write a book. Of course, and then it's a they all walk into a bar. But I not only was writing these books, I was writing um, songs for the band for the books. So like every wow. book title that I had, and every story that I had for that book, I also had songs that kind of tied into what that book was or what the the storyline was of that book and everything. So I had, like, I wrote more songs than I ever wrote of the books. The books barely made it off the ground, but I had, like, 20 songs written based off of the band Nightlife. They're around. I'm sure I've got an envelope somewhere with all my old song lyrics. Huh. I had, at one point, probably close to about 80 to 90 songs or poems. Um, Most of them pure crap. Like, it took me a long time to find a stride in songwriting where it didn't feel very derivative of Striper. Um, not that I don't love the Striper. I love the Striper. 
Uh, we've gone from call it the wit to the striper. But striper is that like the landing strip? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> with two, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's like you drive in between with, the wings. But... <laughs> well, since everybody thinks they're chicks, I guess that's probably. See here, I was I was going with like the stripers different colors. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, were we going to an Emily flashback there? No, 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 we, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, because stripers are kind of fish. And I think I just threw up my mouth. <laughs> I think yeah. Emily's more of a grouper, honestly. <laughs> or a <grope-y. laughs> So, yeah, anyway. Okay, so anyway, books. But, yeah, so I, that's... I'm trying to remember what... That was that was my idea, though, is that I was going to write these these series of books. I had a series of books I was writing, too. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me about that. I had, I had a whole teen angst Because I was, I was extremely interested in it when you were describing them to me. That's funny, because I, I, I started writing too. them... <laughs> I started writing them during that whole tumultuous... Yours was the Kiss My Ass series, right? And it was a love story? What was the, the first Because I remember Brown. you telling me once about... <laughs> I remember you once telling me about the, the books and wow. stuff like that. I was extremely right. interested in it. Yeah. The song that they goes all with that going to be, um, Chronicles of Rebellious Wrong. That's because right. The Chronicles of Rebellious Wrong. I, I like the loved, title. I love that title. She busted it out a couple years ago and I was like, I'll be that first I've ever heard of it. I have them somewhere. They're, they're in, you know, those lined ledger <laughs> composition books. Yeah, because those composition books used to be on sale at the pharmacy in downtown Forestville for like 50 cents a book. So I would buy one before I left for my dad's house on Friday after school, knowing that, you know, there would be turmoil and angst and <laughs> whatnot, because, you know. Solely generated for, from their direction, I'm sure. What is, no, you know what, what is I, the source of your inspiration? I take at um, least half responsibility for the angst. At least but half, huh? Okay. The, the Heidi Mall story has got to come up. At is some this where point. you wanted to bring the podcast to? Let's egg on the <laughs> hatred of the step parent. Hate? No. I got resentment. Resentment and dislike. Resentment and dislike. And inequality and unfairness. But I mean. But you got but anyway, a really cool title for a book from it. See, I don't have no, anything for a book. Know, I have like a play. The first, <laughs> that the I, want first to I think, six of them yeah, are actually opera. written somewhere. Do, so. Oh, God. Don't bring up the opera. So. Opera? You wrote an opera? No, I never wrote the opera. I have the idea of the opera. I've had some limited ideas of some of the music for the opera. Very limited. No, no. It's actually based, <laughs> it's based around Tool. Tool was the musical opera. inspiration for the opera. I wanted yeah. to do a uh, very um, industrial sound to it, and I wanted to do it animated. In fact, when I first moved here, um, and I was dating Heidi, she was, well, Katie actually was dating this guy, Vern, and Vern's parents, when I met them, Vern, I don't hey, Vern. know. Vern, when you were at the bike shop. Yeah, Vern from the bike shop. Yeah. Um, we were over at Burns' family's house, and his parents were saying that they knew people at Pixar, and they got very interested in the idea that I wanted to do this animated opera. I don't remember even yeah, how it got brought up, because it's not like I was talking about it too much. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm never going to do it. No, it does matter, because do it. it was inspired by something that you and I were working on together, and it came up because I introduced you to Fred. Fred was writing 
A symphony. A symphony, and you said, hey, you know what? That night, after two cases of Mountain Dew, we worked on like four more book ideas. Well, there's the problem. There's and, the problem. <laughs> and it was like, Dew. hey, this will make good for an opera. And there it lies. I was never more productive than I was on Mountain Dew. I have to say it. Uh, granted, I had well, there's more a little in the way of life. Game Fuel. Game Fuel. Um, but yeah, th- well, it was Nation I, I, just I, screamed. I feel, I feel an eat my ass comment coming on here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can either work, I can hear it. Yeah, you know what? But, yeah, I wanted to do... You guys have a lot of unresolved... uh, Mm. ...plans and and thoughts for comics, stories. I know that I personally have stuff that... It's good that I never wrote it. I think the angst category could extend to families and work. (laughs) No, no, no. I won't get into work because anybody that listens to this... it, it's gonna get me fired if I start talking about work. And that doesn't even really and matter I can't as much as talk like about work. So yeah, yeah exactly. they're gonna kill us all. And who would want to tune in for an hour long conversation? Well, I, mean, about I can talk about cubicle work. life just fine. I just can't talk about much more than that. Yeah, let's not. But I mean, all the stuff that I'm working on outside of the comic book is based off of one story that you wrote that you give me a hard time about still to this day that I'm still holding on to. Yeah, I don't know that I give you a hard time about it. I'm just surprised by it. No more than it gives you a hard time about anything else. else. Alright, yeah. so um, in honor of the podcast, I will send you the Superman story. Okay. That can be the first thing you post. Sounds good. Because that that really was... Is that the one I read? I don't know. See, I still want to do my play called Midnight Star based around the Weird Al song where it's the play where it's the, the hick in the farm town. And all the little things that you see in the tabloids end up actually happening. That sounds really cool. Never done it though. And dude, you can write because I read your erotica stuff that you were putting online for a while there, and that was that was really good stuff. Anne and I were both like, you were putting erotica online. Wow. Any of the stuff I wrote, I put on live journal. Yeah. We I were really impressed. We were two green team stuff. Very impressed. Yeah, I, I won't post any of my writings because it's. <clears throat> I like your writings yeah. though. I love. It sucks. I'm not no, posting. that's not true. That's it not sucks. true. I mean, definitely there's some editing that could be done, but not like editing can be done with my stuff. There's some really good stuff, and and the way that you're it, bringing stuff comes that, up with stories, it's stuff that I would I would never like just drop in Anne's lap and say read this on what you think because I, I pale in comparison to anything she would scratch down with her left hand. Um, yeah, but we're not comparing to one another. That's we're really just encouraging one another to actually do yeah, three. I, I can't I can't write. But like that's the thing is like you you've done stories <laughs> that inspire me to want to do stories. Her title the rebellious wrong stuff that just made me go whoa you know I not only want to read that I want to write something for that it's like the first time I saw Levi's world the poster that he did and I was like I'm going to write a damn Levi's story that's something that that you can't sell yourself short on you really can't you know Hero for Sale I think is one of the most brilliant ideas (laughs) I'm going to behave I'm going to sell food I can sell myself short all I want yeah but you make a quarter I think what we're trying to say is it's not about doing well per se. It's about doing it because you have the thought and want to do it, and <clears throat> just getting it done. Okay. You know the reason why I don't write is because I don't think that I'm going to do it. Okay. Well, what do you what do you tell me all the time? I'm an, I'm an overachiever. That, that's my personal life. I I, over, I try to overachieve in everything, and 
and that's that's where it lies. But I don't think that you necessarily under. It's turning into a therapy session now. We it, we're talking. <laughs> I don't think that the stories that you've written are bad stories at all. I think they're much better than what you give yourself credit for. Yeah, I've got them on my computer. So yeah, I've but had the whether to make my own opinion. To me, it's not whether they're good or bad. I mean, I'm not here to critique anyone. I'm not a writer in my mind either. But the thing is that there are times to write, and a lot of times it's therapy for yourself. Right. It's because the fancy strikes you, and the thought won't get the hell out of your head until you put it on paper. I mean, there's there's multiple reasons to write. That's why they make done. All right, so we're at 57 minutes, so I'll probably wrap it up. Maybe, maybe but we're so on topic at the moment. Why would we ever write this I mean, seriously, though, I mean, it's like, I, I write because it it was something that I, I was doing, like, in, in my downtime in between reading and, you know, drawing, drawing you know, and, you know, it's like I had this stigma, you know, right before I graduated high school, you know, that, you know, this was... This was crap. I mean, it, you know, there was nothing that I could ever produce that was going to be good. You know, and you know, bless my parents. I mean, they're both beautiful, wonderful people. Um, you know, they just didn't want to see there was some struggle in life, and you know, and being an artist, it's hard, uh, regardless of what kind it is. You could be commercial art, you could be doing industrial design, whatever the case is. It, it's it's a it's a tough place of business. Um, but when I got accepted at CCS, I mean, I, I was, I, I, you know, this is probably the first time I'll ever say this, is that, I mean, I was, I was good before I went in. But within the end of my first semester, I, I was great. Um, I, I, could, I could see a huge progress in, my, in, in the work that I did and the work that I try to do now. You know, I, I'll never forgive myself for allowing myself to not follow my passion for seven years. Um, but I mean, it's the only thing that's kind of keeping me going is is reading these books. You know, it's giving me ideas. It's kind of like reinventing the you know the driving flame. You know, to I, I sorry, go ahead. You know, to to do what I do. But I mean, in, in the interim, you know, it's like I just got to fuel that fire by whatever I can get my hands on as far as a book. Even something as simple as the, the Tao of Pooh or the Tao of Piglet, which, if anybody's ever read them, they're beautifully written books. Don't uh, plan on keeping them because they'll get stolen out of your car. Yeah, I've owned six and... copies of the Tao of Pooh. Uh, I think I, I think, have a copy wow. floating around in the house. Uh, I've owned a couple and I've lost as well. every copy of them. Every copy, they just disappear. With the exception of the one copy that I have now. She's I, under I, lock and key in a safe well, somewhere. Well, I loaned Corey a copy. I've had the book before I met you. I feel that way it. about the Sleeping Beauty was it? series. Yeah. Or was it the Taya Piglet that I loaned you? No, it was Taupu. No. Who was it that I loaned? I loaned it to somebody at you school. loaned it to somebody at school. And then they loaned it to Tracy. Right. That I went to school with. Tracy had My the cousin book. Tracy? Yeah. Tracy had the book in her purse. She put the purse in her trunk. She went into a club. Somebody broke into the car, stole her jacket, her purse, along with one damn book. That was copy number four. Kind of like your shirt got stolen out of his truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't bring up the shirt. <laughs> well, it, it's a pain. It's a feeling of pain. Yeah. The forked tongue shirt. Yeah, along with the Those fact are good times. That, we have to talk about those at some point. We will. Too. 
Um, Nothing like the little play card that we put over the head. But, yeah, I mean, I... You know, I, but I that's the thing, though, is that you, you wound up in a situation where you were doing it all the time, so you were bound to improve. Yeah, granted, you had teachers and you had other artists and everything that was kind of inspiring you at once, so that makes sense. Yeah, but i got to tell you, I wrote horribly when I started posting on the, uh, the Prodigy, Prodigy boards with X-Men and everything. Like, I wrote in the, <laughs> the present. The Prodigy text. boards. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's where I started writing, right? No, I know. I because I, I wrote I a lot of stuff in present tense. I wrote stuff just very. It was just. It was not good. It was funny. A lot of people were attracted to it strictly by personality, strictly by the, the dialogue stuff and things like that. Just the the weird situations I put my characters in. But it was from being around people like Anne and Tammy and Josh, um, and Damien, all these people that could write much better than I could. Or at the very least, had had much more skill at writing in a literary way, um, that I learned from them, and it was the doing too. I was blowing off college, going to school for music. I'm finally doing something that I always wanted to do. Screw that! I don't want to do it. I'm gonna be on the computer talking about X Men, and started writing that. And what within less than a year, I had someone who wanted to publish me. Yeah. Did I ever write anything after that? <clears throat> Helmet. Nothing that I didn't ever get published. Um, but it was it was really the idea of just doing it all the time. I'd come home... But at least you didn't end up with a Trigus novel full of exclamation Dude, points. he's got books published. Whether or not it was edited, whether he admits the fact that the exclamation points are out of hand. When he handed me a copy of his book, um, he said... I kind of wrote this with the idea that someone might edit it. I kind of, I know that there's a lot of things wrong with it. But he was very upfront about that, and he understands that he's not an idiot. Um, And he's still writing, and he's still getting stuff published. He just had a video game made off of one of his story ideas. Pretty popular Xbox game, Xbox 360 game. Yeah, I know. Do you know why? Because he's still doing it. What am I doing? Jerking off in the corner. Thank you, Dixie Cup. I'm just saying that is that okay, Emily's sister's name, Dixie Cup? <laughs> I'm just saying that it's it's a matter of doing it. We should end on right there. Thank you, Dixie Cup. That's the podcast. <laughs> Thank you and good night. That is our new closing quote from now on for the podcast. Your Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dixie Cup. <laughs> Signing off. Just, but, I, I, but I think I think really what and no fault of her own. I mean, I I love her dearly, but. And we, we kind of hit on it earlier is that I come out here the first time to visit you, right? And I'm trying to tell a story. And Melinda turns to you after I walk out of the room to go smoke, which I'm going to probably do very soon. Um, and says, I love him to death. He's awesome, but that boy cannot tell a story. I can't tell a story. You can. What you it's, were, it's not humorous. It was based off of the idea that the story that you told was the, the peeing on the car story. You told it in the backseat of Phil's car when we were driving down, down to, Santa Cruz. to Santa Cruz, trying to talk over the radio and stuff. You were nervous. You had just met these two people in the front seat. You hadn't seen me in years. You're in a strange place, stranger in a strange land. Yeah, seriously, it was like you were kind of excitable. That was not quirky of every day. Like a day. fox terrier? Or what are you talking about? 
like a nervous little chihuahua in the cartoon. Like, what whatever doing? you say, senor, I'm freezing. Um, was, was, was he doing the Paris Hilton dog, like, petite shake? I'm sure he could do Paris Hilton. Just, yeah, yeah, it's like, if I could get that kind of point, yeah. Would I climb in? Or but also look at the fact that Melinda adored you, and her family adored you, and, and they loved to listen to your stories by the end of it. They loved to just have you around. I don't... I know that you like to take that criticism and hold on to it, and God knows I do too, but... Yeah, you tortured little bitch. Just, all I'm ever telling you is, is to do what I can't do, which is just keep producing. You know, it doesn't matter if it's good, it doesn't matter if it's well, I had to bite back a comment right there. Not, not yeah, reproducing. You, you need an orifice <laughs> to drop it into before you can make that happen, buddy. Not reproducing. No, I, I have I have the child that I want. She's perfect in every way, shape, form, or fashion. And she wants to be an artist just like her dad, which I have no freaking clue why, but... She's already an artist. Probably because she awesome sees that it makes you happy when you do it. And wouldn't you want to grow up and be happy? I'd like to grow up at some point. Yeah, but I mean, how many people does she see in her life that that do something that makes them really genuinely happy? That's something that could be considered a career or a life's path or something like something and fair doesn't count, so don't does, I was gonna say, does that include somebody like laying on the couch all day? No. Okay. Oh god. So that's I guess my he's career. out of it. Um Yeah. We'll just edit that one out. <laughs> Should we end at this point and say we're a, off topic from books, but uh, B, we're now just kind of moving into well, fake we're, actually, we're still talking about books. We, we are kind of bored in an hour and... Six minutes. Six minutes? Yeah, I, think I can read, really. It, what? This is, <laughs> this is a test podcast, anyways. It was a weird subject for us to jump on without being uh, at full mast. Scott's going to be so unhappy that we did books without him. I know. I'm Although so... Scott doesn't seem all that interested to begin with. All as soon as I started there. talking about dirty books, too, I mean, Scott would have had so much input. You know, I have to go with that the way you guys talk about losing copies of the Tao of Pooh, I feel the exact same damn way about the beauty series. I have bought the beauty series I don't even know how many times now. That's true. And, and I think it's because time, after anybody has started reading the beauty series that you've lent them, they're so ashamed they never want to touch it again. So they probably just like yeah, part of that wish it away. Process after Bring the, back, the people! The book. They just Bring wish it away like the back. headache that Rocky Dennis had in masking. Wish it away, <laughs> wish it away. I'm yeah, still I, wow. No, wow. No, no. Talk about an obscure reference there. Well, I'm still well I should have done that. I should have done that. Still waiting for the too, one so. hardcover copy to come back. I'm still missing one hardcover. Somebody out there has it. I what? don't know who. The last guess we had was Bass. I yeah. That showed up in a dream of mine the other night. And on that note, <laughs> drop it in a Dixie cup. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. All right, so let's call it quits at uh, an hour and seven minutes. I'll probably edit off the first minute before we actually officially started at some point in time anyways. So I don't. we don't need a goodbye. We don't have an official sign-off. We don't have an official sign-off. The hope is that we do this at least... Uh, every two weeks and uh, at the rate I'm going here it'll probably take us a while to edit the first one and get it onto the site to begin with but no, we're, we're not leaving it raw uncut proud cut uh, sorry. Uh, I'm actually going to just edit in music, music. and oh, okay. sound effects maybe who knows so I'm we'll... actually just going to try to figure out what the hell to do first and then we'll go from there so it was a good dry run 
<laughs> you said it on purpose, didn't you? You couldn't help yourself. No, I usually do. It's like his first I, I time figure, it was a good dry the, run, but if this is the only one that ever makes it up, people Daisy, should at least know. Oh. Daisy was Daisy's the dry, not a dry run. run. <laughs> no, Sheila. <laughs> I did not run anywhere. Thank you. <laughs> and you keep stick to that story. Uh-huh. There would be sticking. There's why no. Scott said there's no sticking. Let's Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's number two tonight. <laughs> so it's new number two. Me. Okay. <laughs> two right. spears per cast. So with that, let's go ahead and uh, finish this podcast. Hopefully we'll roll something that will be more interesting or at the very least we'll stay more on top. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But uh, I think we did a good job, though. If anyone actually listens to this, thank you. <laughs> Send us comments. And I apologize. And we apologize for any pain and harm we may have caused or any permanent damage. But no we did. Liable. Please have your pet spayed or neutered. We will put a disclaimer at the beginning of the next one. (laughs) We did warn you about uh, joining our dementia. All right. Everyone like to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Captain O.G. Reedmore here. If you're packing up a picnic or heading for the beach, here's some instant entertainment that's always right in reach. You can hike it. You can bike it. You can swing it on your back. And it's right there where you need it when you're ready to relax. Yes, it's instant entertainment. (laughs) Any place and any day. So no matter where you're going, (laughs) don't forget your book, okay? (laughs) 